Oh, it's so good to preach to faces instead of a little screen. <laughs> the worst was if, if I said something that I thought was funny and Karen didn't laugh. <laughs> you're, you're hearing nothing, man. <laughs> that was real bad. All right, one of my uh, spiritual heroes is, is this man right here. Some of you will recognize the face. It's of uh, Eugene Peterson, who is best known as the uh, uh, paraphraser, translator of the message translation of the Bible. Well, in his new biography, which I'm enjoying right now, it talks about how when Eugene went off to college, he went off to Seattle Pacific University, and he made a friend there named Finney Stiles. And here's why that matters. Finney's dad was one of the leading people in the Pentecostal movement in that day. And his dad had written this book called The Gift of the Holy Spirit, which had gotten a lot of uh, reading and, and press and talked a lot about the gift of tongues. Well, uh, during spring break, Eugene Peterson and his freshman buddy Finney Stiles were sitting on a deck overlooking Flat, Flathead Lake in Montana, there where Eugene lived, and Eugene talked to him and said, you know, Finney, I've, I've never spoken in tongues. And so Finney told Eugene as much as he knew about it, and, uh, and then he prayed for him, and Eugene tried it. So he uh, uttered a string of sounds, according to the biographer, and his, his Pentecostal mom was really excited. She was very happy to hear this. Um, but Eugene said later, it, it just wasn't me. I had the feeling that I was faking it. And his biographer puts it this way. For years, the experience of tongues would be complicated for him. And that word stuck out to me because I think it sums up how so many Christians I know feel about the gift of tongues. It's complicated. Um, maybe it's complicated for you because you've had a bad experience with them. Um, maybe somebody told you you had to speak in tongues or you were not filled with the Holy Spirit or you didn't have the Holy Spirit in your life. Or maybe tongues are complicated for you because you desired them. You, you asked God for them and so far you've not received that gift. Or maybe like Eugene, you've wondered, am I making it up? <laughs> And so given how tongues are so complicated, I thought later I should have called this sermon Tongue Twister. <laughs> ah, corny dad jokes. Are you feeling at home, Catherine? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, what I want to do tonight is look at what Paul told the early Christians uh, about tongues and see how does that apply to us here today, here at Church of the Savior. So without further ado, I bring you everything you need to know about tongues in just five pictures. And to create those pictures, I need five volunteers here who like to draw. Okay, I see one there. And um, where's Miss Janice? Miss Janice, if you can pass out the pads. Actually, it might be better for you, Vivian, if you come up here on the floor. Uh, the organ didn't make it through the pandemic. So, yeah. And I, how about a couple adults who like to draw? Okay, Ren, we'll count you as a youth. Uh, you can either draw there in your pew if you like, or you can come up here where there's a little more space. We need some more. We need five pictures. Alexis, you're in. Oh, Sarah. Allison, I'm sorry, with the mask. Allie, come on up. How many do we have? Four working? One more. All right. Beth, come on up. All right. 
So, while we're waiting for these pictures, um, let me explain what was happening with these early Christians. When they got together for worship, in the middle of the service, someone would speak in tongues. So, let me try to give you a sense for what that was like. Imagine that someone here tonight, we're in the middle of the service, and they stand up and start speaking in Tagalog, which is a common language in the Philippines. But how many of you know Tagalog? Anybody here? No, I don't either. So they would be praying to God and praising him very well, and the rest of us would be scratching our heads like, yeah, don't know. Don't know what they're saying. Okay? Now, imagine that while that person is standing up, speaking and praying to God and praising God in Tagalog, that somebody over here does a similar thing, but they're doing it in Hindi. Now, how many of you speak Hindi? Anybody? Me either. Now, it's hard enough that nobody much knows what they're saying, but they're both speaking at the same time. So even if you do know Hindi or Tagalog, you're not getting a thing out of this, right? And uh, so um, we don't know why people started using the gift of tongues in this way in that church. Most scholars surmise that what was going on is that because tongues is an unusual gift, where, uh, and by the way, for those of you who missed that week in, in Sunday school, tongues is speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in a language you didn't go to school to study or learn. Okay? And Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, so some have suggested that some of the languages may be known human languages, like happened on the day of Pentecost, or they maybe are angelic languages and therefore either language-like or not any specific earthly language that we know of. Okay. So anyway, but probably what was going on in the church is they're, they're sort of like, whoa, that's cool. That person must really be cool, must really be spiritual, because I can't do that. They can. They're like the elite Christians. So then once that gets started in the church, everybody wants to be what? The admi elite admired Christians. And so they're all talking over each other and they're standing up and the service is getting a bit out of hand. And that's why they write Paul and ask him for some help on this. So here's, here's what Paul tells them. And, uh, and here's what we can learn. So I need the person who's drawing picture one. Who had picture one? Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. All right, so Viv has drawn for us this really nice happy birthday present. So, the first thing you need to know is that tongues is a gift. All right? So, tongues is a gift. Now, most people don't really think of it as a gift or a gift they want. But it's a gift from the Holy Spirit just as much as, say, the gift of faith or the gift of serving or the gift of wisdom. So we, we value all those gifts. We want those. And this is just one more. All right. So Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 12, you don't have that in your bulletin. Um, it's the challenge of when he's got three, three chapters devoted to the subject. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And then he says this, here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, 
third are teachers, then those who do miracles, then those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. All right, so it's one of the gifts, and Paul just rattles off several right there. He also does more gift lists in other writings, other sections. Okay, now why is this a gift? Well, the first reason is it builds yourself up. That's what he says. He says it builds you up. He says the person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. So there's a way in which it strengthens you spiritually in the use of it. So I'm thinking that Paul's thinking sort of like, just like hearing a, a sermon that's from the word of God strengthens you spiritually. Or we might even say taking communion or being in a small group or reading your Bible or whatever. Those things strengthen you spiritually and this is similar. All right, and then the second reason why it's a gift, according to him, is it allows your spirit to pray. Not that your spirit doesn't pray in other ways, but this is very clear and focused way of saying that it allows your spirit to pray. Paul says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, which is helpful when your mind is swirling with grief or confusion or you just don't know how to pray. Then Paul's saying, well, I, I pray in tongues. So then uh, that, that I, I know that I'm praying in the spirit then. And Paul says, the important thing here is to pray both ways if you have the gift of tongues. He says, I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. I'll sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. It's not either or. It's not like there's rational and irrational. There's like super rational and a different kind of rational. I don't know. It, it, Paul's speaking of some mystery here, but he's, he was a very smart person. He studied hard in school, uh, but he also said, I pray in tongues. All right. Yes. Now, for us, what is the application of this picture? I would say, if you are interested in learning more about tongues, if you have ever wondered, I wonder if that gift would be for me. I've never like really asked God, or when I did, it was in a different day in my life and whatever, and I want to revisit that. Let me know. I'd be glad to just sit with you and talk about what it's been like for you, pray with you as appropriate, and, uh, and yeah, let's just talk more. So there's the application for that. All right, now I need picture number two. I think it's the one that Alexis has. Awesome. Okay, wow. This is amazing. Okay, so what you have here, friends, is like Christmas morning, an array of gifts. Here's a doll. And let's see, oh, here's a PlayStation game. Yep, with the controller, nice controller. All right. So the second thing you need to know about tongues is that none of the spiritual gifts are for everybody in the church. And the same thing is with tongues. They're not meant for every person in the church. Just like we don't want everybody in the church to have the gift of leadership, who's going to follow? <laughs> okay. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 30, do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? 
rhetorical answer, no. Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. I think that's really clear, right? But this is a, a bit of a challenge for us, and it's a point that we need to make tonight because there are some Christian groups, well-meaning, of course, but they teach or maybe kind of urge you <laughs> that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not really quite as good a Christian, you're not maybe quite as filled with the Holy Spirit, whatever, whatever. That's just not the case. Um, and uh, here's, here's what the Bible says is the way to know if you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Here you go. You can say, Jesus is Lord. Period. <laughs> you say it mean, Jesus is Lord. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's fine to ask for additional fillings, as seems to happen in the book of Acts and ask for even a fuller, enriched experience of the Holy Spirit in your life. But if you have been taught, now here's the application. If you've been taught otherwise, if you thought like everybody should get the Nintendo controller and PlayStation on Christmas, and nobody should get the doll, or everybody should get the doll, whatever, I'm sorry. Uh, you're going to just need to lovingly uh, forgive those who misguided you on this particular matter. I'm sure they meant well. All right, I hope they meant well. All right, third picture. All right. Thank you, Allison. All right, Alice. Oh. All right, Allison has drawn for us. This nifty train. All right. So you got here your, your steam engine, steam locomotive, couple box cars, and of course, what car always comes last? Caboose, the little red caboose always comes last. All right, Paul seems to be giving a little bit of a list here in 1 Corinthians 12 and 27 and 28. He says, all of you are together at Christ's body, each of you is a part of it, and here are some of the parts. First are apostles, because they start the churches, right? Second are prophets because prophets are the people you need to stay healthy. And they have an honored role because otherwise people would not like prophets. Okay, right? Third are teachers, then those who do miracles, healing, helping others, leading, unknown languages. Notice that helping is actually uh, in his list here, if the ranking means something, higher than tongues. So here's, here's what we need to know. In the long line of cars carrying gifts to God's people. So maybe this is like helping. And this is like leading or whatever. Oops. Tongues should be one of the cars on the train. Imagine you're stopped at the tracks here in Wheaton and it's a really long train. That's not hard to imagine. Okay. Tongues should be on the train. They're just one of the gifts that God gives it. But not, they shouldn't be up here in the locomotive position. And what was happening there in Corinth is that the people who could speak in tongues were getting extra emphasis, extra oohs and ahs, extra like, wow, they really are spiritual, we should listen to whatever they tell us. And Paul's saying, actually, no. You should follow your apostolic teaching. You should follow your prophets and teachers who teach you the word of God. Those people equip you, so if you're gonna have anybody leading you, you should move them toward the front of the train and let them kind of lead you. And in a church service, here's the Bible's rules. Only two or three during a service take turns 
So one person at a time. And it has to be explained or interpreted. Because Paul says, if that doesn't happen, nobody knows what you just said. Right? You could have said cheap umbrellas for sale. They don't know. Right? Okay. Now, what's the application for us on this particular thing? There is none. We have the opposite problem. Tongues freaks us out. Right? They had the problem where they were really kind of enamored with it. We're like, ooh. Ah. Okay. All right, let's move to picture four. Uh, Ren, okay, very nice. If you can see this, maybe I'll just swap out here. Thank you, Amy. Thank, thanks to Amy and Janice, too, for helping us with this, and Sarah for helping me figure it out. All right, in great detail, we have a golf ball on a tee and a football. Okay. So what is this uh, telling us? Well, how many people uh, are, on, uh, you know, are, are the, on the scoring team for golf? One. Okay, now you can play in a foursome and all, but you're really playing by yourself. Your score is your score. That's the way golf works. Okay, now football, how many are on the team? Well, 11 on a side, but then you got special teams and you got offense, defense, and whatever, whatever, 50, 60, depends. And what you do affects everybody else, and what they do affects you. All right. Now, what Paul is saying is that gifts, the, the gifts are most uh, helpful when they help others. 1 Corinthians 14 uh, and verse... Four, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. That's not bad. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. And in verses 18 and 19, he says, I thank God that I speak tongues more th in tongues more than any of you. I think he means privately here because he then says, but in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. So tongues help you. It's like playing golf, <laughs> okay? But, but the other gifts like service, helping, leading, prophecy. Prophecy, by the way, is speaking in a known language under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It could be something you share at a Bible study. It could be, I really feel led, spontaneous sense. It could be, I think, a sermon that's immersed in the Word of God should have some prophetic and prophecy element to it, right? So anything that's speaking in a known, understood language by the church that builds them up, that's prophecy. So Paul's saying, look, if you've got to compare folks in Corinth, uh, I'd rather you focus on the prophecy because it builds others up. It's not bad to play golf, but it's even better in this church analogy to uh, play football. All right. Now, so if you have the gift of tongues, uh, how does this apply? Well, your gift can help others if it's interpreted. And Paul says you should pray that you can interpret. So if you have the gift of tongues, pray that you can start to understand how to use the gift of interpretation. And uh, by the way, if anyone here does have that gift or has worked with that, I'd love to talk and I'd learn from you and you could learn, we could talk together. But mostly, it seems like in Paul's life, the gift of tongues is something that he says is helping build you up. So it's gonna be used more in personal times of prayer, okay? And that seems to be his vision for how it, how it works best. All right, last picture. Final picture. Thank you, Beth. 
so great to have you and your family with us. That was a nice surprise. All right. And here we have, wow, a very anatomically correct heart. with arrows and annotations. So this, here's the vena cava, the aorta, ventricle. She does note, not to scale or for scientific usage. So don't take this along to your next heart procedure. They'll get their own images for you. But the last and what Paul considers the most important thing you need to know about the gift of tongues is, like as with every gift, use it in love. Use it in love. 1 Corinthians 13.1 and 1 Corinthians 14.1. 13.1, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Irritating, noisy, not helpful. Okay, 14.1, let love be your highest goal. Paul says flat out, look, if you want to figure out love is greater than tongues, it's greater even than faith. It's greater even than prophecy. It's even greater than giving to the poor, as great as that is. It's even greater than being martyred, as great as that would be in the eyes of God. And what Paul says is it really doesn't matter what gifts you have. It matters how you use them. Are you using your gift in a loving way that builds up the other people around you? If you have the gift of teaching, guess what? The people around you should be learning. So, that's, you know, if you're a professor or a school teacher or mother, father or a preacher or whatever, people around you, if you have the gift of teaching, should be learning. If you have the gift of healing, maybe you're a nurse practitioner or maybe you're a therapist or, or maybe you lay hands on people and, and ask for God's direct interventional healing, well, you bless people when you use those in love and then they receive healing, which is amazing. All right. Now, so for us, here's some questions to apply this. Given the gifts that I have, do I envy the gift that that other person has? Am I looking at them and going, oh, that'd be nice. They get a lot of attention for that. They seem cooler than I. They seem more spiritual. They seem whatever, whatever. Or are you wishing that people gave you and your gifts more notice and attention? Or do you secretly think, I can't help it if I'm more gifted than you? <laughs> Paul says, lead with love. Use your gifts with love and trust that the gifts you have are the right gifts for you. All right, to close, and by the way, can we thank these artists for their amazing <laughs> contribution? Uh, what happened to Eugene Peterson? All right, he went off to seminary in New York City and as part of that, he started uh, working in this YMCA welcome program that was designed to keep new international students who had come to New York from getting ripped off by con artists here in the city. And so the YMCA assigned him to a partner, and that partner was a young man named Pat Robertson, who later went on and founded CBN. Now, if you know where Eugene ended up and where Pat ended up, they were very odd bedfellows for <laughs> a partnership at the YMCA in New York City on seminary. But uh, they started these prayer meetings together. Eugene and Pat and a woman named Jusun Ai, who later became the first female professor at Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Seoul. 
So God put together an unusual cluster of people that were going to go on to influence the church in significant ways. Um, and so they became friends, and they would gather for prayer at 6.30 in the morning. And Eugene's biographer writes this, those rooftop prayer meetings stirred in Eugene a hunger for intimate encounters, for immediacy with God, integrated with the full range of human experience. He longed for a resurgence of power. Speaking in tongues, always the lightning rod for Pentecostal theology and long a source of questions and discomfort for Eugene, now began to offer to him a direct, life-giving encounter with God. And he doesn't talk much about that at all in the rest of his life and ministry. He went on to be kind of a, a Presbyterian minister with preaching robes, you know, uh, looking like he just came out of Calvin's Geneva. But it was this life-giving source for him in a quieted, quiet and unheralded way for, apparently, the rest of his life. Amen.